Hello and you're very welcome to another edition of the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hallett and Rachel Burford, World Cup winner, Premiership champion, Harlequins captain. To list just a couple of the titles is alongside. How are you, Burf? How, how are the renovations? How's the splashback? That's the real news this week. How's the splashback? Yeah, I was hoping that was going to make top of the news list. Oh. Um, I mean, it's in. And it's there. So that's all that's really needed on the update. We have a flashback. Ladies and gentlemen, you can now log off the pod. Yeah. Because you've got your, your update. And there we go. And that no shout outs. And we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if Sarah Beanie does a, a uh, or Kevin McLeod do, do podcasts. I suspect they probably do, but they'd be highly interested. I, I had heard that they were, they were, they were tuning in for this one. Um, just to hear the updates from, uh, from birth towers. <laughs> Uh, yes, we'll move away from your house. How are you? You've been busy lady as ever. You've been doing some Six Nations stuff as well, various foods and what have you on Six Nations, but uh, doing some international player stuff as well. You've been busy lady. Yeah, we've we've actually got a week off uh, training-wise at Harlequins because obviously the pause and the break. So we obviously had six weeks back-to-back, pretty tough physically and mentally. So having a bit of downtime and, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything else goes away. Um, still working behind the scenes with international rugby players. Obviously, International Women's Day was on Tuesday. Had some bits and pieces around that and celebrating what we do. Um, and yeah, and then last night was very lucky to go to Denton and be part of a, a Q&A panel. And I'd never see, I made a joke of it as I walked in because they had all these tables with all the Six Nations countries on them. And I said, oh, have you gone, have you put all the stops out and gone food from each country? And they said, yes. And literally went around the corner and it was all laid out. So that's a first for sure. And Emily Scarrett doesn't normally reply to my um, Instagram stories, but being the foodie that she is, she was like, that's my type of event. So if people want to book Emily Scarrett, they know where how to get to her heart very quickly. <laughs> Come on then. So the, the Italian what, pasta pizza, I'm guessing... Uh, they had, oh God, now you put me on the spot, Johnny. Um, let me have a quick look. It's called Mar- Mar- Marguerite, no? Margarita? No, so they had um, different hams. Okay, right, yeah, so are they hams yeah. and, okay, yeah, yeah, Parma hams and that kind of stuff. Meat Scotland selection. had haggis sausage rolls and scotch eggs. Um, France, again, had cheese, bread, um macaroons they had scones which i didn't know was a french thing yeah really maybe it's not <laughs> i'm not entirely sure um, scotch eggs are scottish either just because they've got scotch in the name i don't know that for a fact but i like maybe. it i like it um no snails had, no snails frog legs no no snails no frog legs okay. and wales had uh the is it rare bet rare bit rare bit yeah so posh cheese oh. on toast Oh, how tidy taste. that is. I had, I had a lot of people messaging me saying, I hope you had this and I hope you were given that. And I was like, no, sorry, just had the cheese on toast. So a few Welsh people disappointed. And then the Irish delivered. They had meat pies and Irish stew, which was pretty, pretty decent. Oh. Hmm. And England? They didn't have one. Oh. I just realised that. <laughs> right. One. Would have been a steak kitty <laughs> put or a roast or something. <laughs> yeah, full on roast. 
yeah, marvellous. Well, lots going on 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 the on the buffet table. I do like a light finger buffet. Um, gorge yourself on that certainly. But there's plenty to gorge yourself on this on this pod as well. You see the, the seamless link there. There's loads loads going on in the world of rugby. We're a couple of weeks away from the Six Nations, but there's rugby going on all over the place. We've got a couple of guests this week joining us. We've got Mo Hunt. She's back in the Red Roses squad. We'll have a look at the Red Roses squad. Of course, we'll have a look back at uh, the Premier 15s from last weekend with the intrepidation. Um, we'll give some predictions for this weekend. Um, but Super W kicked off at the weekend as well down in Australia. We've got Alana Thomas, the uh, the Grand Fromage, if we carry on the food analogy, uh, for the Melbourne Rebels joining us as well. We'll have a, a little look at Ireland as well and the review that's come out there and what have you. Uh, and Super Rugby oh Picky kicks off this weekend as well so there's loads and loads going on we have Nandy's international news as well but let's get into the Red Roses squad then young Rachel a 30 player squad pretty experienced uh, 40 player squad I should say uh, pretty experienced no massive shocks there um, trio of uncapped players just to give you the details Emma Singh the Gloucester fullback May Campbell, the Saracens hooker, and Ella Warris, the uh, Saracens scrum half. And, of course, the headline it has to be the fact that Mo Hunt returns first time since 2020. Uh, and Emily Scarrett is back in the mix as well. What was your taking us away from, from reading that squad berth? I don't think there was too many surprises within that. Um, Mo Hunt's been playing really, really well. And it would be, you know, it would be quite ridiculous if England didn't consider her being in the squad considering they don't they've got talent there Leanne Fancy, Lucy Packer Ella Vivas has been involved for a long time now but not at the level that Mo is and the experience that she can bring to that team so you know really pleased to see her back in the fold obviously she had a bit of time out when did some sevens realized that she still loves the game of 15s and want to get back in the fold so yeah, I think great to see her back in. Obviously, everybody's really pleased to see her Garrett back in the squad. They know how integral she is to the team. Um, Heather Cow also getting another opportunity. First Six Nations really lit up in the autumn. Um, and I think it's great to see the likes of, you know, players who are performing in the Allian Premier 15s, like your May Campbells, your Rosie Gallagher, that are being recognised and being brought into the squad and, and being, you know, looked at from it, for so long. The, the kind of England team or the 44 was very much closed where it, that's not the case and it's showing and proving time and time again how important the Allianz Premier 15 is to the Red Rose squad Yeah, I couldn't agree more um, to see Emily Scout back is, is, is just brilliant that's been a, a hell of an injury um, and as you say the likes of Rosie Gallagher who again had terrible, terrible time with illness and what have you to, to see her getting back into into that fold is, is brilliant I, I, I hope Outside of sending to Ukraine, that 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 Mids is is beginning to to gather some paracetamol, add some Eurofem because the selection headaches to put a World Cup squad together from that forty uh, and to maybe some other players. You know, there's there's a few injuries out there. Uh, you know, Kath O'Donnell, Claudia McDonald, we've got to talk about as well. Emily Robinson, long term injury. Moana Talling, uh, Ellie Kildun, Jess Breach. Those two last two. Will be will be in the mix uh, for the Six Nations, we are being told. But unbelievable selection headaches. Um, look, let's let's get Mo in. Uh, I spoke to her yesterday um, on her reaction to being back in the Red Roses fold. 
It is a very good morning to Natasha Mo Hunt, friend of the pod. How are we, Mo? You're looking very well, very smiley, and rightly so. How's things? Yeah, not bad, actually. Not too bad at all. So just come off the back of another COVID hit, which was wonderful. Um, but to be honest, it made me stop, and that's probably the best thing that's happened this year. So, yeah, can't complain. How are you? That's Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, living a dream of some sort. Um, that's a couple of times you've been whacked by the old, the old COVID now. But look, let's not get into that, um, because that's not why we're, we're chatting mainly this morning. Mainly because uh, you're back in the Red Roses, Scott. A huge, huge congratulations. Your, your initial thoughts and yeah, feelings. Yeah, obviously, like, um, like buzzing to be back involved. I think one of the things for me and something that's really close to home is how much I love the girls that are involved still and the, to get the, the chance to play again with the likes of Scars, Packer, Sunter, like those girls that I've kind of played with an awful lot through my career before we kind of all bow out um, is super special. So, yeah, like that that for me is like the one thing, like being back involved with the squad and with the girls. And yeah, I've already had one camp, which was last year, obviously not in this week because of um, COVID issues, but um, the camp before was amazing. And just to be back with the girls, like so many of them, um, like just real good crack. So, yeah, can't complain. Well, I think uh, all rugby fans, uh, obviously, especially Red Roses fans, um, very, very well, very much welcome your your position within the, within the squad. Uh, when Simon Middleton uh, announced the squad on the press conference earlier in the week, um, I spoke about a, a chat that you guys had. Obviously, you've not been involved um, since twenty twenty November. Yeah. Um, yeah. You obviously t- took a little bit of time time away. Um, what made you kind of realize or sort of reassess obviously it was a good time to do that why you wanted to 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 be back involved and and how that conversation came about yeah so like for me um I just got like quite unhappy and just was really like searching for different stuff I don't think COVID helped like the the setup was all very different like the thing that I love being around the girls is like just chatting and enjoying each other's company which obviously in the bubbles you couldn't really do so it was important for me, like I needed to to have that time away. Um, but like I've found myself a little bit, like whether that's through the sevens that I did, like with that group of girls was amazing, like such an incredible experience. But also with Lost to Heartbreak, like I've just genuinely loved my rugby again. So it, it was it was needed at the time. But for me, like it's the best thing that can happen now is to give myself another shot because I feel like I'm almost playing some of the best rugby I ever have, um, to be honest. And to get the shot to do it with again like girls that I mentioned earlier like some of my best mates um on that stage is would be like an absolute privilege and I found it really hard commentating on the autumns I did like sat back and, and being behind the mic and not being out there with them when I was fit and able to do that I found that really difficult and like would l- wanted to be involved like more than anything so to get another opportunity at it whether that's just through training or whether I actually get to be to pull on the shirt again um I'm super grateful and yeah, I can't, can't thank everyone enough for, for getting me to this point, especially Linny, especially yeah. the big boss man. Like he's been a massive part in this for me. So yeah, super grateful, super honoured and, and looking forward to the journey. With a lot of ex-players, delighted to see you back in the in the squad, leaving those commentary duties for somebody else to have a go. Um, <laughs> because typical Mohunt, you're brilliant at that as well. Um, but you've, um, you've 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 kept uh, kept yourself busy, sevens and and captain the Barbarians. You know, quite a few players 
might yeah might pop off to you know, on the men's side particularly but it might pop off to France for a little bit or Japan or go and play some New Zealand rugby down in in, in New Zealand just as I just to refresh you've been, been within that squad for for a long time and it sounds like you sort of come back with renewed vigor um take us through some of those newer names in the in in the squad if you would mo and in particular so the Emma Sings and the, and the Connie Powells of this world who obviously you know incredibly well from from club duties yeah, like, I'm just so chuffed for them. Like, they both super diligent in what they do, um, have been performing really consistently throughout the season. And for us, like, it's a huge thing for, to get more players in there because Gloucester Hartbury, historically, we've only had a few. Like, there's the likes of Kelly, um, Smith, Tatiana Hurd, Zoe Allcroft that have kind of been in and around it for a while. But to, to now start to get the youngsters and to be recognised for what they're doing is really important for a club. And yeah, I can't speak highly enough of them. Both great girls, both characters in their own right, um, but doing brilliant things week in, week out and thoroughly deserve their call-up and, and their shot at it. Oh, yeah, and that's that... Um, oh, I can't remember her name. That uh, that World Player of the Year girl, lady, she's she's she's, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's in as well. So Eelcroft, of course, is, uh, is, is in there as well. Um, you said you've been involved with, with an England camp uh, already coming coming into this uh, Six Nations. What's what's the focus, Mo? You've you've been here and done it, and I just yeah having a chat with my 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 kids actually um, who have a great interest in the Red Roses. They say, oh, who's in? Who's out? Oh, Mo's back in. Oh, great lot. Um, you could be a double World Cup winner. Yeah, there's I, I, oh, there's lots of games. We'll take one game at a time. And please don't give me that answer. But what's <laughs> How difficult is the balance in this Six Nations? Here's the question after a lot of waffle. Between performing at the Six Nations and, and maintaining a, a winning habit generally, but also against you, probably your main opposition, France, and actually narrowing down a, a, a squad. I know you're, you're not the coach and person deciding that, but has that been, been, been spoken about? Is it we're looking forward just to the World Cup or you know we need to keep winning momentum going? It's not been spoken about yet. Like obviously, I was only in for three days previously, so okay. um, we're we're very new on this journey for the Six Nations. But the the messaging is just like we pitch ourselves on ourselves, and that's something that has always been historic. The whole time I've been involved without in, throughout with England, um, it's all about like we're not looking at anyone else. We don't look at other teams as much. It's about your own standards and and trying to drive those and make yourself better from what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to get to. Um, which, to be honest, is really like refreshing, and it's a great place to be because it's obviously working. Like the girls were unbelievable in the autumn, like some of the best rugby I've ever seen the Red Roses play for sure. And um, just the tempo they were playing at, how quickly they were getting the ball in and away, and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's clearly working wonders for them, and fingers crossed they can be part of that journey and keep it moving. Yeah, indeed so. And to be potentially a part of a, a another World Cup would, I suspect, be be very, very special. Oh, yeah. Unbelievably. Like, especially a World Cup in New Zealand, um, I think is kind of what dreams are made of, isn't it? Like, to potentially go out like that would be very, very special indeed. So, we'll see. I'm just going to keep my head down, though. I'm going to keep grafting, keep my head down and take every... every One game at a time. Yeah, you, like, it's the answer <laughs> that you all hate, but it's genuinely how you have to live your life. Um, so, yeah. Because you never know. Like, look at my ankle. What was that? Like, almost a year ago now. Like, made the decision to, to like, walk away a little bit, have a little bit of a break. And then two weeks later, I've got, like, one of the worst injuries of my career. So, like, you just, you never know. You just honestly never know. So, it's got yeah. to be. 
And you with those doing some, some broadcasting, whatever, we work in a similar kind of circles week to week, what game you're going to do. And, you know, who knows? You, you might not get the phone call. So, yeah, I don't quite know why we're, we, we always, uh, you know, roll our eyes at that answer because it's, uh, yeah, we, we do exactly the same as kind of uh, commentators. Yeah. <laughs> We've said it on, on this podcast before, um, to, to not have you involved in, in a World Cup year would, would, would just be absolutely crazy. And, yeah, some young scrum halves in, in that squad as well now aren't there. Um, Ella Warris, um is in there. I'm just looking down the uh, the she list is, now. Anyway, I met her obviously properly for the first time last week, and yeah, she's she's a great character. I got on really well with her, so looking forward to um to working with her more as well. Yeah, and imparting you know the, the knowledge that, that that you have. You know, you obviously done a lot of coaching as well. So just you rubbing off on on those sort of youngsters, less experienced players. I think it's just uh, just absolutely genius. Um, so all the best for the uh, the Six Nations. Let's move from 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 country to to club. Um, there you are, all brazened up. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> at work. Full cherry and white. Work attire as well. Mo, I've interviewed you when you're at home and you're still in full Gloucester stash. Don't try and pull that one over on me. I'm always working. Oh, hello, here we are. Yeah, no, oh, hardest working player on the planet. Here she is. Mo Hunt. 15 12 at the weekend against Worcester. Boy, boy, did you have to win that one. Yeah, I know. It was, um, it was a tough old ask for the girls, obviously, to get the start that we did as well with that runaway try was pretty impressive. And then like just had to grow like grind it out but sometimes you learn your most from the characters in the group when you do that and we've been on the wrong end of quite a few of those results where it's gone the other way right at the death so to be able to to come through and to win like that just shows like how much we've grown as a squad and super proud of the girls like absolutely devastated because I couldn't watch it I was just following on Twitter and now I know what it's like as parents sometimes across the world like trying to follow the scores but um yeah, it was really proud of the girls, like proper good effort from them. And awesome to be out at King's Home as well. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Um, obviously, some people are thoroughly enjoying that that experience and it's not something you've, you've done particularly before. I know I spoke to James Forrester earlier in the, in the season and he's been a been a key sort of bridge builder, as it, as it were. Is, do you feel that relationship is blossoming day by day? Hugely, like... You mentioned James Morrison, Django, he's been amazing for it. Like, obviously, he's a bit yeah. of a Gloucester legend in his own right. Um, so him coming back in and knowing people, knowing the right questions to ask, he's a, he's a proper business head as well. So yeah. he knows exactly what to say. And, and the the stuff that he's doing behind the scenes is, like, I cannot, like, speak highly enough of him um, for it. Like, it's been, he's been brilliant. And the relationship's definitely building. Um, like, George Skivington stayed and watched our game. Like, he's he's really keen to promote that like they're keen to get the girls in around kings on all the time we train there on a monday we train at Hartbury tuesday thursday so it's definitely changing and starting to run against the academy boys like everything about this club is moving in the right direction and it is honestly an honor to be part of it good i'm really pleased because it's not always been the case uh you're obviously going to react on that but yeah um from outside it's that that's not obviously been 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 the way but it's really really pleasing to, to hear those those bridges are, are being built three games left some fairly toughies I'm just looking at the table here 41 points we know Sarah's done a dusted uh, home semi uh, Harlequins in fourth on 55 Wasps on 50 Loughborough 46 you take on Saracens this Sunday Wasps and then DMP you got to beat your nearest and dearest. Are you hoping that Sarahs are going to 
put out a, a lesser full strength side now that they they're home and hose in their home semi final. That's not very serious, is it? Well, we have intel that potentially um, with with the Six Nations around the corner that some players might might be involved with England, so not released. And there's obviously you've got the Welsh game at the weekend against USA, so we've lost our Welsh contingent. The USA girls aren't involved, so we've got two. Obviously, Alev Kauta for Saris won't be involved, um, which is which is huge for us because she's been unbelievable since she's come across, like Amazing. lighting up the Premier 15s like there's no tomorrow, which was never in doubt the calibre of player that she is. Um, but yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see both squad lists. It's going to be a bit of a different look, I think, across both teams. Uh, but we'll see. Like you just got to play whoever's there in the day and it doesn't matter what shirt they're wearing. Just go out there and give it your all. And that's kind of where we're at as a team at the minute. We've just got to give it everything we've got each time. And who knows? And is it that cup, cup final kind of mentality to it all? Is, yeah, every game is like since we kind of let ourselves down a little bit against um, Exeter, we've put ourselves in that position that every game now means so much. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's awesome because the league has never been like this. You've never had an actual race for the top four at the end of the season. Like Apart from potentially us and Wasp being in that fourth, fifth battle a couple of times, everyone else has been pretty set that they know that they're going there. And it like it's exciting. Like Every game means so much and you can see it on the players' faces. Like the Bristol-Loughborough game last weekend, you oh. saw it against Loughborough against us. Like that, that other draw, like every game is you just see the the emotion that's involved because the players meet they care so much um but yeah it's 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 cool it's cool to be part of i just hope that we can get the right result um this weekend yeah and then uh was be nice to take some points off them because obviously they're they're on 50 points nine ahead of you um yeah it's still mathematically Possible, isn't it? Fifty-six. Just if Harlequins lose all their all their games, um, it is mathematically possible. Um, Other gods might be might be slightly against you. Um, Ma, I just wanted to ask you just just generally. You've you've been in the squad uh, for club and country for for many years now, and you're seeing this this rapid growth of of, of women's rugby, and you've experienced pretty much everything that there is to. To experience women's rugby, there'll be sevens, fifteens, barbarians, international club, world cups, all the rest of it. Um, how exciting is it? Is it seeing and you've done some broadcasting, obviously as well. And, and yeah, tip of the hat to, to you on that. Uh, very, very impressive stuff. How exciting is it being in and amongst it? And that possibly when you were stepping away with the, with the ankle injury and what have you not being involved, a chance just to sort of have a look from from on high, as it were. Just how exciting is is, is women's rugby at the moment? Oh, it's incredible, like, to be part of the growth of it. And I think we quite often don't talk about it, but for me, like, being involved, I'm going to sound like a really old girl now, but being involved back in the day where you used to pay for your subs and you used to have to drive everywhere, like, we'd drive to our own games, all of that sort of stuff. And and now, like, even the little stuff, like, we're on buses that have tables, so we're sat chatting to the girls and playing games and whatever on the way to, to um, games, like, we have food after training, like little bits like that, that you just yeah. never thought that it would actually become. And I know that that sounds mental for everyone else and probably anyone in the, the male game that is hearing this is like, what is she on about? But genuinely like the growth that's happened and how much investment there's been, like how much professionalism around it has happened and all that sort of stuff is, is crazy. And it's only going to get better. Like obviously Wales now got the contracts coming in, like there's probably a little bit of teething to do with that to make sure that it's supporting the club game as well. But 
the whole thing is just growing and it's so exciting to be part of it genuinely is and with my role as well as the Bucks coach for Hartbury University like the level of that now is crazy and the amount of girls that I've got on calls or speaking to me about how excited they are about coming to a university and how much it means their aspirations to play the sport like the fact that they're they want to get full-time contracts like stuff like that is just what dreams are made of and to be a small part in the growth of that is is super impressive and like genuinely so humbled to be part of it and like you said like the commentary stuff as well is is like surreal genuinely surreal like my grandma sometimes is like you're on bbc and i just can't get my head around it sometimes but yeah i i absolutely am loving the journey like i love rugby i love everyone involved in the sport i think it's a real special group of people involved in our sport and yeah i can't speak highly enough of everyone really well if, if we have ambassadors like you in the women's game it's 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 only going to go in one direction, and that's the right direction. You, yeah, you, you talk about it, you know, Super W starting up and down in Australia. Super Rugby are picky, um, you know, kicking off this weekend. Okay, slightly shortened format, but that's kicking off. Ireland talking about contracts now. Um, it really is um, moving on a pace. Just lastly, because well, I'll let you get back to, to where is it working? Oh, yeah, that's right, Gloucester Hartbury. Um, you've got the wrong badge and the wrong stash yeah underneath yeah. there's Hartbury is it okay yeah, Hartbury yeah, staff. of course it is um get your predictions putting you right oh. on the spot who's going to win the yeah. premier who's going to win the premier 15s the six nations and the world cup bosh oh i don't want to do all of them you've had it you've had it easy since to now, I've not Paxman liked you at all. So here's the difficult question to finish off. <laughs> can I not ask? Can I not answer? I don't do you not want to do the Premier 15s? You could do the international, or do you prefer to do club or not country? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Can I say Gloucester Hartbury? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> Gloucester Hartbury going to win the Premiership? I'd love it to be us. Um, Ireland are going to win. I what? think I think Saris will be difficult to beat if I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah. Um. I just think the way that they're playing at the minute, um, yeah. But also, I think a lot of it will depend on how everyone comes back from the international break because you've only got two games off the back of that and you've got a team like Exeter that is going to affect not many of their players. Um, So I think they'll be pretty strong in the playoffs as well because they'll have time together over these next two months, whereas everyone else will potentially come back a little bit knackered and broken. Um, It's the nature of international sport. So we'll see. I I think it'll be really interesting. But there's a steal there, isn't there, about Saris? They, they didn't like losing their crown, did they? Yeah, exactly. And I think just the addition of Aleb Kalta, like I know we've spoken about it and one person shouldn't be able to make that much difference, but she's almost a bit Emily Scarra-esque in terms of what she can do on the pitch, um, kicking, like triple threat with the ball in hand, that sort of stuff. And you saw her get on the end of Holly's chip kick, that's doing the rounds at the minute. And just like, just the ability to wait and the ball just bounces into her hands, that just kind of sums her up as a player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're pretty they're going pretty well. Like Marley Packer, best rugby I've ever seen her play. Oh. Um, I think I think they'll be difficult if they've got everyone back fit. Um, Six Nations. Six Nations. I, I can't like I can't look past England. Obviously, I know France is going to be a, a really tough battle. Um, they haven't beaten England for three years, four years. Somewhere, I think it's I think it's ten on the spin. No, that long. Seven? No, not years. Games. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking years. Not <laughs> no, not a decade. No, 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 definitely no. lost to France. Um, yeah, so I think that's gonna. I think I feel like that'll all um, come to a head 
I think well, it's really Saturday. important though from an England perspective that like you don't overlook the other teams because I think like as soon as you start to be on this winning streak and be talked about like this and there's a massive target on your back and historically everyone hates the English like I don't know what it is and the girls can't even tell me they just hate us like I don't know I don't really get it myself but um yeah so I think like every every team raises their game against England so it'll be one that you need to be on your metal the whole time the whole way through I'm not writing anyone else off but I think um yeah that that last game is potentially where it's gonna be won or lost yeah, and, it, and it's, you know, Ireland, I think Ireland are going to have a real surge up. You know, Greg McWilliams coming in, doing all the right things. Scotland, a bit of a crest of a wave, having done the World Cup. And I think, you know, they're, they're the best Scotland side I've seen. So, for certainly many a year. Uh, Italy will be strong again. We saw that in the World Cup qualifiers. It's, um yeah, and, and, and Wales, again, doing some good things. It's going to be a, a really tough Six Nations, actually. Uh, I feel like it's going to be the most competitive that we've seen. Like, obviously, you've got Wales that have got the full-time contract. Like you said, Scotland are on a winning run. And the one thing for me about Scotland is they just never believe in themselves. Like, they're quality players. Yes. You look at them in the Premier 15s, what they do. Like, unreal. Like, Lisa Thompson is probably one of the most skillful players I've ever played alongside in the sevens. And for me, it was like the only thing that they were missing was the belief in themselves. And they kind of have that now. So, there's yep. for me, there's no stopping them. Like you mentioned, Ireland doing good things. Italy are always one of our hardest games. Like, their defence is so difficult to break down. So... Yeah, like I think it's going to be um, really highly contested. And, well, and World Cup? Oh, World Cup. You've got, yeah, you got to back the girls, haven't you? I know I'm part of it now. You've got back you. Got to us back girls, girls, you should say. Us girls us now. Girls. Come on. Yeah, Change your vocab. Like, yeah, got to back us girls. I don't know. I think, um, again, like there's a lot of water to go under the bridge before that happens. And you never know where people are being. Like New Zealand have got the contracts in place now. Um, half of USA are playing in England so they're going to be really strong because their comp- the competition that they're having week in week out is is brilliant for them and not only that but the training standard and I know that, that from the girls it's quite difficult for them to train with each other a lot because of how far away they all are so for them to have that really like condensed period of time training in almost elite setups everywhere I think I think they'll be really strong um, but yeah like I I don't. I don't want to call it. I don't want to put my name to anything. So stop putting me on the spot. But I, I think it'll be, um, it's a super exciting year. Like it's going to be unreal. And yeah, as I mentioned, like it's just a privilege to be playing a small part in it. Well, Mo, will we let you get back to work? To Heartbreak, Gloucester. It's all red, isn't it? Um, at the end of the day, and it's been a, a real, real treat uh, as ever to speak to you. Um, such vibrancy and such energy and everyone at WRP is absolutely delighted to see you back in the England squad and all the very, very best for, for Gloucester Heartbreak and for England over the Six Nations. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate Thanks. it. I'm Gareth Franco and you're listening to the Woman Rugby Pod. She's got a great energy too, hasn't she, uh, Mo? Vivacious character and actually utterly, utterly thrived in the Barbarians. You said earlier on before we uh, we, we we cut to that uh, that interview that her, her level of, of of quality of play and uh, you know, Leanne Infante I still can't get used to that uh, is playing incredibly well. But you know, for me, when Leanne hasn't been playing, that there is a a, a drop off, slightly different player, Claudia. But 
but in terms of pace of ball, and when you've got the likes of Helena Rowland, you've got Holly Aitchison outside you, now Emily Scarrett coming back in, Breach, Dow, all these kind of players, actually you want that ball as quickly as possible, and England will pride themselves on their fitness because they are fully professional, and actually the tempo of a game is going to, yeah, as we saw in the autumn, is going to knock teams to six, and, and Mo will bring you that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she's somebody who could seamlessly slip back into the squad. You know, there, yeah. there won't be a whole lot of change. She's a quick learner. She's really, you know, diligent about knowing her role, knowing her worth, etc. So she'll slip straight back in really well. But I think you're, that's key, what you just said there about the way that England want to play. Yeah. That if they can have two nines that play extremely quick, very both quick off the mark, quick thinking, then that doesn't give any let up at any point in the 80 minutes of the game. And that will just be another level to blow the teams away, which we saw them do in autumn. So, you know, it could be quite scary what England can produce as Six Nations. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Anyone else you'd, you'd like to look off? Um, I, uh, I, Sam Milton spoke uh, highly about Emma Singh. Uh, the Gloucester fullbacks really impressed him every time she's uh, she's been on the park. She's got the full range of skills. Um, and May Campbell, uh, another another play, likes, likes a score. But yeah, being rewarded for some excellent club form, very consistent club form as well. Yeah, I think May Campbell's been on form for a number of years now. She's really been a stand-up player for Saracens. You know, just does all the, the grit work um, excellently and scores plenty of tries for her team. Yeah, she's she's small in stature, but she's got the heart of a lion. The way that she plays, and so I'm really pleased to see her get the opportunity to to be in in that mix, and that's a whole new level for her. So seeing how she can compete in that environment will be interesting. Um, and Emma Singh, she's one of those players where she does things just so unexpectedly. You know, the way that she line breaks, she's got that kind of arcing run and unexpected amount of speed that you don't necessarily... She's a bit like... Remember, like, Sue Day, the way she used to play? We used to just say, you just jogging, but she'd be able to sprint past people because she just had that beautiful balance about her. Um, and look, she's really young, but she's she's full of confidence and she's been playing really well at Roster Hartbury that have allowed her to thrive. She's got a great kicking boot, so not that England need another option, um, but that's another thing to add to her boat. But... You know, there's a lot of um, competition in that 15 jersey, but the opportunity for her to just be in and amongst it again, you know, and be around the likes of Ellie Kildan, Sarah McKenna, you know, even Abby Dow can play yeah. at fullback. So yeah. being around those players, being pushed even more so, um, is going to be brilliant for her. And, and, you know, it's another option for Simon Middleton to have a look at another player. Yeah. If we're, if we're, Playing this weekend, um, and you are selecting your Red Roses 15. I'm not going to give you the, the full 15 because it would, it would take hours. Um, I, I think the, the back five of the pack is, is incredibly difficult. Um, may well depend on, on opposition. But just that 10, 12, 13. Can we nail down 13? Can we? Yeah, yeah, I think Emmy Scarrett nails 13. Who? Having only played, oh, <laughs> watching her for 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, Yeah, isn't it? I think you get more certainty from Zoe, Harrison at the 10. Um, Maybe to start a game. Did you say 9, 10? No, just 10, 12, 13. Zoe Harrison at 10. Emily Scout at 13. Um... I think Helen Arona is a great option at 12. 
But I think Amber Reed, she's playing really well at Bristol. Not that we're talking about people's form here, because we're just imagining that it's World Cup final. Yeah, the Marshals have landed, yeah, we're playing them. <laughs> yeah. um, I just think she gives that great balance, good leadership, really strong defender. Um, and you can't have too much... Um, say again? You can't have too much zippity doo. You can you can have too much zippity doo dah. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say that she doesn't have X factor, but more like you just kind of need a couple of steady heads in there. Um, a rudder, yeah. And, and she, yeah, and she certainly would would be that for me. I think, yeah, Amber Reed, but with Helena Rowland right like right, right at the heels of both Zoe and and Amber. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, from a. Uh... A lady who made that 12 shirt her own for over 13 decades. So, well done. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, the England midfield sorted out for you, Simon Wilson. You're very, very welcome. Um, Rachel Burford's done that for you as well. Over to Ireland, Berth. Just, uh, just, we'll just touch on this because it, you know, it's it, news from, from last week after we... Uh, after we recorded, literally hours after we recorded last week. Uh, Anthony Eddy, uh, Ireland Director of Rugby... After the independent reviews of their disastrous World Cup qualification, um, as well as significant pressure following an interview, which he appeared to put all the blame on the players, didn't he? Um, has departed his role um, of, of, of doing the women's 15s. He will continue his role overseeing the men's and women's sevens programme. Uh, jump before pushed. Totally expected. Yeah, I think with the review there was probably going to be a lot of findings in that that weren't comfortable, um, weren't pleasing to see. And, you know, Anthony Eddy has done some great things within Ireland, but he also got a couple of major fundamentals wrong. And maybe there was no coming back for that and, you know, decided to walk away instead of get, being pushed out of there. Yeah, and, and with that re- review, we were hoping to... Have all the findings um, in a sort of era of transparency from the IRFU. That's not happened. Sort of recommendations have come out um, instead. Some 30 that have been published with the IRU declaring uh, that they accept them all alongside this. The CEO, Kevin Potts, wasn't he a singer from... Wasn't he? That was Paul Potts. Oh, Paul, sorry. <laughs> this is Divin, this is his brother. Kevin Potts, uh, Divin, yeah, very different uh, avenue he's taken in his life to his brother's singing. Uh, he also, that's not true, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. He also issued a formal apology to the players, having heard from them directly during discussions in recent months, in stark contrast to the, how the IRFU initially responded to the letter. The players published last year, laying out their lack of faith in those running the game. The union then decided to only publish the recommendations of the review despite a commitment to fuller transparency, you've been saying, citing legal issues around breach of confidentiality. They include simple suggestions like creating a selection policy alongside the players and staff and ensuring consistent to data on opposition. While there's also a number of significant proposals, including the consideration of of introducing hybrid contexts, new jobs will also be created, including head of women's performance and pathway in women's 15s national team manager as well so good stuff coming out of Ireland Greg Williams has done his, his squad as well and they had talent ID in which they've identified a few players uh, probably not all we expected from the IRFU and um, yeah it, it's poor that those findings haven't been found because 
um, if you are trying to be transparent and turn over a new leaf, uh, then do. But also sometimes you've just got to park it, haven't you? Uh, and I know Lindsay Peter was on last week, clearly couldn't speak about it. So those wondering why we didn't ask her about it, uh, she clearly couldn't speak about it. But she's one of four players who sort of been heading up the, uh, the players' opinions. Uh, it, it's parked now and they move on to a, to a brighter future, we hope, Perth. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the first thing to recognise here is that they've come out and said they were wrong and they apologised for it. That's the first step in, in any of this and not brushing anything under the carpet. The fact that they are saying they will follow the recommendations is massively important, not just to have those recommendations there and go, oh, OK, yeah, we see that, but we're not prepared to act on it. You have to look at what happened with Wales. You know, they had... Yep the same sort of route they had recommendations they followed them we know that there's still more work to be done but and that's how we've got to treat this as a, as a new opportunity a new slate they've obviously they're creating new roles within that they're listening to players they're taking on the recommendations you know there is nothing none of these kind of independent reviews or the issues that are going on do not get solved overnight in one review and all is forgotten so we've got to be patient and we've got to allow time for it to breathe, for the recommendations to come to life, some action plans around that, um, and follow that up. And that transparency piece, you know, continue to speak out about what their actions are, what their plans are going to be, why they want to do stuff. That's really critical and that's really important to get the trust back from yes. the Irish people, from the Irish players um, and, and the global game. So I think, yeah, you're right. It's a clean slate. We've got to give it its due where it is right now. And then hopefully we'll just see it build and build and build from here. Yeah, because like in a number of these these issues, with, with nobody's saying, oh, well, that's, that's fine. Did I, we'll accept that. Not in the slightest, but you've got to move on. You've got to move on positively. And that is what has been mapped out, not only for Wales, but for Ireland now. And that, that has to be a positive. Um, you know, especially had against a brick wall with those two unions for, for quite some time. This is all very, very positive stuff. Um, so, well done, Ireland. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I just got a feeling about them in this Six Nations. I think they might have a bit between their teeth. Um, same with same with Wales and Scotland are playing well. Ooh. Anyway, Six Nations chat for another week. Let's go now, Berth, to the other side of the planet. And Australia... And let's get Alana Thomas on the pod, joining us all the way. She's just finished training. Um, so it's late in the evening over in Melbourne. There she is, Alana. Good evening to you. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us in full stash, just off the training field. Is it, was it a good session? Yeah, it was. It was a good session. So very short and sharp with a short turnaround. So uh, good to be home, but yeah. Still, still working for another half an hour. Yeah, well, thank you so much for for giving us some of your time. We wanted to, you know, being being a, a global rugby podcast, we wanted to touch on the uh, the Super W that's uh, kicked off last weekend, and we consider you a friend of the pod, so no one better to to have on. Uh, but on, on a personal, how, how are you? How are things in uh, in your world? Yeah, no, things are good down here in Melbourne. Just. Uh, ticking over things are getting back to normal which is great and starting to see some live rugby and crowds coming back to sports so and and having rugby in melbourne i think it's 760 odd days since we last played so it's, it's going to be great to get on the stadium tomorrow wow just tell us uh then obviously we say round one um of the super w kicked off last weekend just tell us those that are, are, are listeners that, that don't know that the format of the tournament and 
who the player, the the teams to beat, and where we are sort of professionally and semi-professional with it within the league for for our listeners over this side of the world. Yeah, so Super Rugby um, in Australia for the women, so Super W, uh, we have all the same franchises as the men. So we've got the Queensland Reds, the New South Waratahs, ACT Brumbies the Melbourne Rebels and the Western Force. And this year we've been really fortunate to introduce and welcome the Fijiana and Drua into the team, into the into the competition for the first year. Um, and we play a, it's a home and away format. So just one round where we play um, all the other teams. So this year it's five games. And then the first team that ends up on top of the table goes through to the final and two and three playoffs. So um, that's sort of the competition. We're in our fifth year now. And as of this year, a few of the teams, um, the Rebels have committed back in the end of last year to pay the players. Um, So they're getting paid to play um, rugby. And then off the back of that, in the last sort of last week, the Western Force announced they were doing the same and uh, the ACT Brumbies are starting. So we're starting to see a little bit of a shift and and hopefully that will continue and build momentum um, over the next couple of years. What difference has that made to you? Being the uh, the head hot show there at the Rebels. Well, definitely the resources. So we've moved across to the Rebels. So the resources, but also the players being able to make decisions, knowing they're getting paid, knowing that they're going to be able to cover some costs and making decisions around when to come to, whether they can get to training or not. Um, And particularly because a lot of the players live in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, the, the travel for training where training was tonight, some girls will travel two hours in peak hour traffic to get there and then, you know, not getting home normally until sort of 10.30 at night. So being able to have some financial reward, but also then being able to sort of, I suppose, pick and choose shifts and, and things like that, it's going to help them greatly. Good stuff. And round one, you say you thoroughly welcome the inclusion of Fiji Anatura into the competition. Um, <laughs> how was round one for you, Lana? Well, if I was a spectator, it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we went went down sixty six five to uh, Fijiana. Uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I haven't seen a, all, all of the game, um, but yeah, as you say, for a neutral, it, it was fab. Not quite so easy where you were sat. Yeah, I think our captain summed up well. It was like eighty minutes playing sevens for eighty minutes of rugby. It was sevens rugby for eighty minutes for the players, and look, the Fijiana and Drua are going to be a team to watch this year. Um, they're going to challenge some of the, they're going to challenge a lot of the teams. And, you know, New South Wales Waratahs have been undefeated for five years, but after seeing what they produced against us and um, and the way they played, the way the players um, said they just felt like they were so strong and fast and just they a real physical match, but a really entertaining match um, with a lot of tries. And, and our, our players really, really good. We nearly scored in the first five minutes. We kept fighting until the 78th minute scoring our try. And, you know, we kept turning up. So I think we went a period of 20 minutes where they didn't score a try and it was some great defence from us. So, but yeah, the, the Fijians are just, yeah, they're just outstanding. And you would know having doing your internship and working very closely to them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I was doing a little bit of work with the, the, with the uh, Fijian team in the prep for the, the World Cup as a part of the internship and obviously knew that they've been training since sort of October, November in 2020 and have been consistently working every month. So um, knew they were going to play a Fijian style of rugby. Um, that's definitely something about part of their identity and 
and they did it really well. But they've just been such a great investment in Fiji um, with the high performance unit over there, not only in the 15 side, but in the sevens. And you know, the bronze medal at Tokyo was a, a testament to that. And a few of those girls are over here now playing in the 15s competition. But they're, they're outstanding. They're working hard. They're, they've taken this opportunity and are just running with it. And I think really enjoying being in Australia in a camp environment. I literally, I'm literally just running with it. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, literally just running. So, so this week, completely, completely different then. Um, you come up against uh, the Brumbies. It's just, well, we prepped for last week. We'll just rip that up and then sort of, I'm guessing a far more conventional prep week for you, for, for a team that are going to play in a, in a far more conventional way, if I say the word conventional a few more times. So, yeah, so how many times can you say that in a sentence? Have a, can I have a conventional answer, please? A conventional answer? Well, I can give you a conventional answer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely knowing that the game that we'll play this weekend will be a lot different. Um, you know, there'll be a lot more structure to the game. Um, the last two years we've had some some great battles with, you know, the Brumbies. We've lost, I think, by two and by three points in the last couple of years to them and um, played some some really good games of rugby. So looking forward to another physical battle and, and a really good battle at set piece time. They're, they're sort of renowned for their lineouts and their scrums. So we're looking to match that. But again, bringing our defence. And this year, um, I'm really excited about our attack with the addition of a new attack co- uh, backs coach and and skills coach. That we're starting to see some really good rugby, particularly on the edges of the field from the from the team. Good. So you're obviously predicting a a win for yourselves. Hopefully, yes. We're well, home. Yeah, you are home, aren't you? Um, just one more question, because I know it's really late there. And as we say, you've just come off the park. What, what, What's the goal? You set, oh, set, set yourself a goal, a public public goal, or just within the camp? Can you share it with us? Yeah, so the biggest goal that we sort of talked about a lot in the off-season is for the first four years, we were, we were a team that everyone was really, you know, was always complimenting us on we're getting better and we're growing and we're developing and and getting and the like. Whereas this year we've sort of talked about, we've done all that development. It's about converting opportunities. Um, And so our whole thing is around, we create opportunities and last year we saw that we weren't able to convert them. So it's about converting opportunities this year um, and turning, you know, rather than just being happy with, oh yeah, you guys are improving and getting better. We want to win matches and, you know, we want to be in that sort of, in the reckoning for that second and third playoff to, to get into a final because we think we've definitely got the talent. So it's all about converting opportunities, taking them when they come and, and making sure that we convert them. So, I'm you know, that's been the goal um, and every single one of the girls have really bought into that this year. I think also you've really smashed a goal out of the park by increasing that player support and player payment and, you know, being the catalyst to then make others look in and go, do you know what? we need to be doing this as well because it's the right thing and it and we can't just allow one team to to lead that way so massive congratulations to to you and everybody involved in in getting that movement going oh thanks Berth it's as I said it takes the courage of of one person or one organization to do that and and it sort of forces the hand of everyone and you know we're really fortunate to have a great you know very um great or a great board um, who are, are very committed to the, the women's game and, and want to make it one club and have, have gone out of their way to, to push that this year. So, um, yeah, we're very fortunate and, you know, just can't wait to see what the future holds now for, for the game down here in Victoria. 
Lala, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we've kept, we kept you long enough. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, little trailblazer down there in Australia. Um, we will watch with interest and we'll give um, all our listeners all the updates on the results and what have you as, as they come through. And perhaps we'll catch up with you in a, in a few weeks' time near the final and hopefully um, you'll be there and we can catch up with you again. No, that'll be, that'll be great. And thank you for having me and yeah, thanks for all the stuff that you guys do in promoting the game, not just over there in, in the Northern Hemisphere, but around the world. So it's great to, to be able to switch on to the pod and listen to you guys and the great work you do. So thank you. Oh, that's very kind oh, of you. Thank you very much. Go hit the sack. Get get your stash <laughs> on. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. A real force off the field, clearly. She's clearly been a big part, as, as you mentioned there, of, of pushing that envelope to say, no, no, we actually need this to be professional. And like we've seen with, with England and you know, uh, Harlequins and, and the like, actually, if you're pushing these things forward, everyone else wants to keep up. It's the whole human nature, isn't it? Keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, no, it is. And and she's a really remarkable individual. You just show that the amount she cares about the game. She's lived it. She's breathed it. You know, she's gone through all the hardship and she wants to change that narrative for the future. And she's doing exactly that on the pitch, but also she's in the boardroom. She's talking to the board. She's been an integral part in it to make sure that there is change and, and it keeps continuing to grow. And, and like you said, it, it takes, and we've been saying it for so long around sponsors or commercial opportunities. It just takes one person to be brave enough to take that step and just lead that way. Um, and then people don't want to fall behind. Um, and that's what you'll see with this. So, yeah, massive kudos to her and everybody involved in moving that move, getting that movement going. Great to hear from Alana in Australia and really, really exciting. And we'll get some reaction next week um, from down in New Zealand from round one. Super Rugby Arpiki kicking off this weekend. In fact, the Chiefs game is, yeah, we're recording late this week on Thursday. The Chiefs game is about to kick off off so that'll be very very interesting to see how that one goes but yeah as we say we'll get some reaction like i have done from australia this weekend other point i wanted to make uh, about those uh birth was super rbw is being televised on stan sport full bells and whistles and sky sports down in new zealand is of course just covering the whole of the alpiki it's that for me is massive it it looks proper and professional and all the rest of it. We can we can talk about, you know, deaf tone tweets from, from, from the All Blacks, which, you know, um yeah, was was wasn't wasn't great, was it? Uh especially for the, the people they put in the photographs. Uh I think those points we made. But it, it's things like that for me that we don't need to convince the people who are in the game already, the likes of you and I and you know the girls that you coach or you know, the people that we, we meet with week in, week out, it's the floating voters. And if you have grainy pictures that aren't of the right height and rubbish cameras and no replays and all this kind of stuff, it looks rubbish and people move on. If you've got the full bells and whistles with lots of cameras, it looks sparkly and all the rest of it. You know, we are, humans are fickle and it people are far more likely to, to get invested into it if it is presented that way. Yeah, and no, I agree with you. It's obviously, you know, product is everything, isn't it? You know, in everything that you either watch or you buy, it has such a influence on how you feel and how you see and, and what you think of, of that. So, yeah, having 
Stand Sport and Sky Sports New Zealand covering the games and having all of the, the action that draws you in as a fan. It's not just the rugby, it's how it's presented, it's how it's you know, really draws you there and keeps you there. It's so important to create a to keep the fans engaged that we already have, but also the the new ones that come in and go, oh, this looks awesome. Oh, I'm going to stay and watch this, or I'm going to keep on investing in this. So, yeah, it has a massive part to play within the growth of the game. And you know, referees going to the sideline to to check a TMO decision in Six Nations. You know, we we can talk about companies getting involved in women's rugby or rest of it. That should be just absolutely standard. Uh, and therefore you've got to pick the grounds that are able to do that and what have you and actually give that time and thought into doing that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on this week. Very, very few details about broadcast schedule are out yet. We're a couple of weeks away. Um, but it, it's things like that. And that, those are the people at the top of the game running running the game. And actually it's they've got to make the decisions that those things have got to be equal for me. You know, Winning the Six Nations, same amount of prize money, men and women, that's further down the line for me. It's the, the kind of basics of, of putting your product out there that need to be identical across across the board. Yeah, and I, I think your your point around, you know, minimum standards around player welfare and player safety, you know, running over to a small screen to, to check potentially foul play or to check a head injury, you know, I think we would have moved on from that because there's a lot of more infrastructure coming in around minimum standards for broadcast and and you know ultimately there's the product side of it, but there's also making sure that we've got a safe game for players to play in and and referees to be in as well. You know, um, so there's kind of two sides to it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will just climb down off our sofa just before we do that. Um, but look, you know, we have spoken about it before. Um, it's not like we're whinging from the from the sidelines. We're we're both, you know, involved in the game. You far more so. Um, you'll keep knocking on the door and beating the drum, but um, you know, we 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 do try to change things from from the inside as well. So it's not just us ranting and raving. One last rant and rave then before we uh, we get to Nandy and all the rest of the uh, the news. I mentioned there that the the All Blacks tweet, um, kind of along the lines of thank you to our women who allow us to to go and play this sport. Uh, a couple of the New Zealand players, or, or one player, Sylvie Reese, has uh, admitted um, domestic abuse towards his, his female partner in the in the past. It, is it just one of those, or should these things just not happen? It's hard, isn't it? I think it shouldn't happen, but then I don't think there's ever there was no intention there to be disrespectful or to not represent the black fans. They all have separate accounts. So they're kind of celebrating the women within that all blacks environment. Now, could they have done differently? I'm sure they've got women working within their environment, whether that's doctors, coaches, um, you know, administration staff, people in commercial. Like, I'm sure there were also other ways. But, but I will say that they don't often get things wrong. Agreed. And they were straight away to admit their mistake and apologise and highlight they are extremely proud of their black fans and their seven players. But I guess what's, what's probably taken aside that it's all black, the amount of women that said, hold on a minute, this isn't okay. Think about your language. Think about what you're, trying, what you're actually say, saying or how it can be perceived. And a lot of the time, perception becomes reality, even if it isn't the reality that they're tr- that they've put out, and I think that's the key thing is that so many people are now in a position to go whoa whoa whoa, that's not okay. 
you need to think about that and you need to change that. Whereas you go back five years, nobody would have said anything. Yep. Maybe one person and it wouldn't have got the traction. It wouldn't have got the apology. They would have kind of just left it and brushed it off. So I think this this is quite a pivotal place where, and it's a bit like the Canterbury situation. Yep. There are lots of people prepared to stand up for what's right. And, and I think that's wonderful to see. And we're all learning. We are all learning. Nobody gets everything right. And when you test these waters and you go into unknown areas, you're going to get things wrong. But I think if, as long as we keep owning up to mistakes and moving forward, we, everybody can accept that. Um, and, you know, fair play to the, to the women who did stand up and say, you know, you're, you're literally saying how they allow us to play rugby and, you know, just calling out things that just made it not look great. Um, but we very, very often don't sit here and have too much bad things to say about what New Zealand rugby do as a whole, um, especially with their women's programmes right now. So, um, so yeah, it was disappointing, but I think the reaction on the back of it was, was really good. Couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, Cat Merchant, one of those very vocal about it. Fair play to you, Cat. Um, you're not a whinging feminist. Uh, you're pointing out things that, that, that aren't right, uh, and well done you. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've got a lot of credit in the bank. Their social media stuff is 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 world class. The information that comes out of their union, um, and like as a commentator, the information on players and that kind of stuff, is is streaks above those unions that are are, are far more financially uh, successful uh, and have a lot more clout behind them. Um, yeah, most unions could could learn a lot on, on that side of things. So, yeah, apologies straight away, and yeah, I, I doubt that tone will be used again. End of that one. Let's update you with all the rest of the news from around the world. All the way from South Africa, here's Nandi Butelezi with all the news. I'm Emily Scarrett and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. It's great to be back for another episode of the pod. And some fixtures to kick us off this week is the next round of the European Rugby Trophy, which kicks off this weekend. And Sweden does take on Switzerland. Sweden and Switzerland are second and third in the Pool A table, respectively. Wales look to prepare their match versus USA Eagles squad this Saturday at the Parky Scarlets in Swansea. If you are in the area, do go down and watch both sides, as they certainly appear to be building nicely. This year's Inter-Services Championship does kick off again and the RAF plays the Army on the 26th of March at the King's Home Stadium and tickets are available. And then the England Fire Service that does take place with a match against the British Police and that plays on the 8th of March at Nottingham with the RFC kicking off at 4. South Africa Women's Sevens team have been invited by World Rugby to play at the Tunisia Sevens in May and this will be a significant preparation for the Sevens World Cup later this year. The Principality Stadium in Wales will now offer free feminine hygiene products with immediate effect. And just confirmation of the England squad where Simon Middleton has named an experienced 40 players, just a trio of uncapped players featuring Emma Singh, May Campbell, Ella Vivas, Natasha Mohunt does return after not being able to play in the England squad since 2020, as well as Emily Scarrett, who returns from a broken leg. And over in Ireland, Greg McWilliams has named 38 players, blending youth and experience, featuring nine uncapped players. And in the forwards, we do see Christy Haney, Amanda McQuaid, Anna McGann, Aoife Wafer, 
Emma Murphy, and in the backs, Avian Riley, Nastasia Bian, Molly Scaffold McCabe, and Vicky Irwin. Surprising omissions include Kleena Maloney, Anna Kaplis, Leah Leon, and Sene Nopu. World Rugby confirms referee appointments for women's Six Nations, and Six Nations referee debuts will feature Lauren Jenner of New Zealand, Maggie Kogo of New Zealand, Kat Rocha of USA, and Julian Zassman of Canada. Debuts for assistant referees will feature Maria Latos of Germany and Zimbabwe's Precious Pazani, while Chris Asmus from, Asmus from Canada will make his TMO debut. Joy Neville, who refereed the Rugby World Cup 2017 final, makes her return following maternity leave and plus experienced names like Sarah Cox of England, Holly Davidson of Scotland, Amy Barrett-Teron of South Africa and Clara Marinini of Italy and Aurélie Grazolo of France. Six Nations has announced the launch of a under-18 Six Nations Festival to strengthen the pathway for elite women's rugby. This women's festival will take place in Scotland on Saturday the 9th of April and Wednesday the 13th of April. On each game day, teams will play two 35-minute matches at Dam Heath Stadium and BT Merrifield back pitches. Now let me update you with the results of the fixtures in the English Championship. It was rearranged matches this weekend in the North Novocastrians bagged a 39-0 victory against Town, while Sefton also won against Barnsley at home. A close one there winning 2019 with West Park Leeds getting a 33-7 victory against Harrogate and in the South Hove 139-15 against Reading Abbey and Buckingham Swans lost at home against Tharog losing that game a 29-5. This weekend in round 17 in the North Cheltenham will take on Barnsley Litchfield will take on Harrogate, Lathborough Town will go head-to-head against West Park Leeds and Overcastrians will face Sefton with Kenilworth taking on Firwood Waterloo. And in the south, Buckingham Swans will take on Blackheath, Hendley will face Old Albanians with Richmond FC Ladies hosting Reading Abbey, Tharok will take on Bath and Hove will take on Supermarines. Moving south to the French Elite 1 on day 13, in Pool 1, FC Grenoble 133-3 against Lons, with Stad René getting a 25-5 victory against AC Pobogny. Stad Toulissier also getting a home victory against Stad Francais, winning that game 39-0 with ASM Rupinard on a bye. And in Pool 2, Lyon won, lost at home rather against Stad Bordet, losing 26-3. With Ace Bayonets not managing to get any points on the scoreboard against RC Chile Mazarin. Montpellier get a 27 21 victory against Lille, with Blackneck Rugby on a bye. France also break for the international period, with Elite 1 not resuming until May. So going into the break in Pool 1, Stad Toulousier top of the table with a dominant 53 points, with ASM Rupenine second on 38 points. Meanwhile, in Pool 2, Top of the table is very, very contested, tightly contested rather, with Stad Bordet and Montpellier joint on 48 points and Blackneck Rugby chasing in third on 39 points. Before we head to the Southern Hemisphere, the Liga Ibedora results. This round is a reorganized round that was postponed at the beginning of the season due to COVID-19, with Sevilla getting a massive 64-0 victory against Sanses Krum. Olympico Topazelo lost against Grad UTC, losing that clash 24-15. Mahatonda get a win against Cincinnati, winning 29-22, with Eba also getting in a win, winning 19-12 against San Cuga. This result means that Sanchez Krum are almost certainly going to be relegated from the top division, whilst Mahatonda and Sevilla battle it out at the top of the table on 43 and 42 points, respectively. Moving south all the way down to the Southern Hemisphere with some Super Rugby Opiki updates, COVID isolation protocols delayed the start of the inaugural Super Rugby Opiki season, 
The preseason fixtures game of three halves has to be changed with Hurricanes having to withdraw due to a number of players in isolation. However, the Chiefs Manoa versus Mata 2 still went ahead with Chiefs Manoa securing a 28-20 victory. Round 1 of the Super Rugby OPK kicks off on Thursday, 10 March, and Hurricanes versus Blues was due to take place, but the match has been cancelled with both teams sharing points. Chiefs Manoa will take on Mata 2 and kickoff will be at 7.05pm, available to watch on Sky Sport 1 or Prime. Round 1 of the Super W, as we have heard from Elena, also kicked off this weekend. Some great results showing how hotly contested this year's competition will be. And round one results with Brumbies taking on NSW Waratahs, who won 31-17 in that encounter. Rebels also took on Fijiana Drua, and Fijiana Drua walked away with a 66-5 victory. Western Force took on Queensland, and Queensland walked away with a 43-7 victory in that clash. This weekend in round two, Rebels will take on Brumbies, Queensland will take on Fijiana Drua, and NSW Waratahs will take on Western Force. That's it from me. Nadi, thank you very much for the roundup of the news from all over the globe. Loads going on as ever, which is awesome. Let's have a look at the uh, Premiership, Berth, if, 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 if we may. We may. Good, <laughs> good performance from Was at the weekend. Uh, well, I would go with it's a game they absolutely had to win. For, to, to stay in the hunt, but also up in the big, uh, you know, Coventry Building Society Arena, um, front of the fans there. Yeah, did you feel there was a, a an extra bite to an extra sting to the sting. last weekend? <laughs> yeah, there was. I, I genuinely think that was the best game I've seen them play all season. Um, seen, feel when I was in it. Um, just everything was going really well for them. Um, the way that they played with great ambition, the speed of ball that they played with, the the intent that they ran at, it, it was it was a relentless game. We just we just felt like we had zero possessions, zero opportunities. We had a couple that we took, but you know, fair play to them, and they didn't let us have any any opportunities really. Um, and yeah, like you say, it was a must game win. It was a great occasion. The, the pitch was great. The to play at the arena was excellent, um, and you know. It's taken them five years to do that. We've had some really tough encounters over the years. We've had a lot of semi-finals, playoffs against one another, um, and it, it, it's taken them a while to get to, to grind us down and to be able to do what they did. And I can't take any credit away from how they performed and the way that Giselle prepared the team. Um, saw her after, and she was just like, "It's only taken me five years, but I'm going to savor this." So. Yeah, it, it was a disappointing day for Harlequins. It was a big game for us. We it was a big win that we needed as well. Um, but we'll make sure that you know that that's a big lesson for us about around how you've got to look after the ball better. Okay, big big dent or small bump in the road? I think a small bump. I think these kind of games at where they are right now in the league, you learn a lot about it. Um, we've bounced back before. Um, and yeah, look, I think if we secure possession, we are able to complete some set pieces. It 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 would have been a very different game, but that didn't happen on the game on the day. So there are areas that they're not massive to correct 
or to fix. Um, there are elements that we absolutely need to have some focus in, but you know, I'm not walking away thinking, oh my God, how are we ever going to win a game or how will we beat them if we come up against them again? That, that doesn't even enter my head. And I think if it was a big dent, then that would be the things that I'd be thinking about. But there's some areas that we just need to sharpen up on. And, you know, 90% of our games, we're on, we're on board with those areas. So I don't think there's any alarm bells going off. It obviously adds a bit more pressure, um, but I've seen us perform in, in pressure situations. So, so, yeah, it's just, it's all game, isn't it now? It is. Uh, just to give you the, the facts and figures on that, yeah, it was the first time the Wasps have beaten Harlequins in the Premiership. Bristol Bears, 26. Loughborough Lightning, 26. That's a six-game odd beat run now for Loughborough Lightning. A couple of draws in there. They drew with Gloucester last time out as well, didn't they? Gloucester Hartbury. But they've beaten Wasps in that run as well. They make a, a proper charge for those playoffs. Yeah. Um, always knew that they wouldn't be a team that just accept where they are and think, oh, the climb's too big. Um, they've got a lot of big game players that probably don't even see that there's a climb, just see an, see an opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bristol will probably be, you know, scratching their heads thinking, how did they let that happen? Um, you know, it doesn't massively affect them in the long term at the moment. Um, but, you know, to have a 26, I think it was 12 lead at half time. And then to draw it back to being a 26 draw is quite remarkable. A lot of players missing in that game. You didn't have Emmy Scarrett, you didn't have Sarah Hunter, didn't have Sadia Kibbea, um, you didn't have Abby Ward for Bristol. So, yeah, I mean, if, if Loughborough at full strength, I, I think they could have taken them. Yeah, don't, don't disagree. Exeter Chiefs 90, DMP Durham Sharks 7. My prediction for the top four, that's certainly helped that. Uh, which is out there in the public now, isn't it? The public domain, that, that graphic's gone out from Tom. Goes to Hartbury, squeeze past Worcester, 15-12. Only just. You've got to feel for Worcester, haven't you? You see these results oh. every week and they're just, they're so close. Um, and yeah, the way that Gloucester have been playing at, I'm impressed with, with how they've gone this season as well. But I just feel for Worcester. It's like they do all the right things and then it's just moments that it's taken away from them. Yeah, on, the, on paper, that you know, such a good side as well. Really like you know, a lot of their players. But um, yeah, look, uh, they, will, uh, they will continue to grow. We, we, we know that. Uh, the only other game was Saracens against Sale Sharks. Really good performance from Sale Sharks, I felt. Uh, Sarri's the... Uh, Double chaps for a few years ago, 41, Sale Sharks 33. Yeah, I was quite um, surprised when I saw that result. I think it's a really strong result from, from Sale. You know, not many teams score that many points against the Saracens team. Um, in fact, very few. So to see them leak those kind of tries won't be any, won't be happy for Alex Osterbury, that's for sure. Um I know that they had a lot of a couple of their Scottish girls back who were on the bench, so maybe that uplift in the second half. Because um, yep. they scored, I think, three tries, is it, in the second half? So yep. to bring on some experience and some top-quality player to then feed into the other players around them. Um, you know, at least Thompson came on and had a huge impact. Um, Jodie Onsley, who's now back fit from from that hamstring injury she had, she looked absolutely flying. I think she got over try. twice. Yeah. Yeah, so I think... 
you know, it's just those building blocks for sale. And, it, and it's wonderful to see that now Katie's got a squad that can, or, or we're starting to see that Katie's got a squad of players that can start a game, be in a game, but then also they, they're getting closer in that second half. Whereas at the start of the season, it was very much, it's a 20-minute performance, it's a 40-minute performance. And now we're starting to see actually 60 into 80. So, yeah, it's an exciting time for them. And I think, you know, you want to win. Of course you do. But Katie will look at that result and go, do you know what? That, that's a good result for us. We scored a lot of points away from home. We're That's the top of the league in comparison to where we are. And we're only, we're only 11 points behind in the game or 10 points behind in the game. Um, and I think they'll take a lot away from that, and and that'll put that put that into their final end of the season to really finish on on grounds that they believe they can. So all of that means that Saras has moved eight points clear at the top. The home semi final confirmed for them now, uh, sixty seven points. Bristol in second on fifty nine, Exeter third on fifty six, Harlequin on fourth on fifty five. I think somebody predicted that at four. For now, uh, there's still two more rounds, Johnny. Yeah, you look at the uh, the points. Well, look, the, the chasing pack is as such. Wasps, they're, uh, yeah, they they played 19. Uh, so they played 16. They're on 50 points. So five points behind you guys. Loughborough on 46. Gloucester Harbour is still mathematically possible because they have a game this weekend, don't they, against Saracens. Uh, I want to get your prediction on that. It's going to be difficult for both... Uh, Wales are playing USA, so I'm not sure the, the Wales players are going to be there for Gloucester. Probably not. England players, doubt the other contracted players, certainly doubt will be there for Saris as well. Um, so, prediction there. Ooh. I mean, that's pretty much Saracen's team away. The majority of their players will be away. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it's it's all of the people in the squad or whether it's just the contracted players. I don't, I, I don't know the details. I'm just just hearing mm-hmm. sort of whispers. Um, you, yeah, I, I don't know. Do they have the squad to to, to absorb all of that and take on Gloucester Hartbury? But, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's your nine, ten, twelve gone. That's your back row gone. That's your hooker gone. You know really pivotal players gone within that side. Um, we've seen Gloucester Hartby play without Zoe Allcroft, without Natasha Hunt, and be really successful and push teams right to the end. We've seen Mo Hunt be on the bench and come on and have an impact. But so I think they're a little bit more equipped to um, weather that at the weekend, I think. So you're going to Gloucester Hartby win? I have to see the teams, Johnny. That's not fair. Need to nope. see the teams. No, nope, I don't see the teams, and I'm going to get a prediction as well. Um, well, I think I'll prefer Saris to win, just to so the points for Gloucester don't creep up. Um, but that's with the Harlequins hat on now, with your WRP hat on. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you saying? I'll go opposite to you. Oh, le- no, le- ladies first. Go on then. Dream of it. Hey. <laughs> She's available, um, ladies, for bar mitzvahs, children's parties. Uh, I'll go with Gloucester Hartbury win. I'll go with Saris. <laughs> 
I'm Katie Beardy McLean, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Podcast. Upper edition of the WRP. Loads in there. We've got a few shout-outs as well to finish up. First one, uh, we can talk about was well, This lady would be very, very delighted at the result against Harlequins at the weekend. Kate Older, totem polar player for Wasp. Huge congratulations to you for the birth of your son. Huge congratulations to you and your partner and the rest of the family. Yeah, big congratulations to you, Kate. Um, big shout-out to Billericke Girls for winning 27-10 against Worthing RFC and progressing to the National Cup quarterfinals. So huge congratulations to everybody involved. Yes, well done to them. A great getting in touch. If you want to shout out like that, you know how to do. Just slide in the old DMs. On a more sombre note, Worcester Warriors for long will be shaving her head to raise money on the 19th of March. This is in support of the uh, Macmillan Nurses Charity. We have supported her mum, Claire Brothy, who has just been a, a brilliant supporter of women's rugby for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, big supporter of this pod as well. Uh, we wish her all the well with her with her fight, ongoing fight um, that she's having at the moment with the cancer treatment. You can donate at this link and get this right, ladies and gentlemen. And please, I know there's lots going on and donating bits and pieces, but um, yeah, this is an important one. Uh, close to our hearts here, www.justgiving.com forward slash Florence hyphen long one. Those details again, www.justgiving.com forward slash Florence hyphen long one. So if there's anything else we can do, Flo, uh, Claire, wishing you all the very, very best with your fight. We're right behind you. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly, um, Launston, I think I've said that right, RFC in Cornwall are hosting a special Ladies' Day in collaboration with Young Lives versus Cancer on the 19th of March in memory of Chloe Dahl, a young rugby player who lost um, who lost her life to Hogsonston lymphoma in December last year. So tickets, donations, anything will be hugely appreciated going towards the special Ladies' Day. Queensland brother and sister... Played for Queensland, represented Queensland at the weekend. What a special time for that family. Tinez and Jock Campbell. Huge shout out to their brother and sister representing the old uh, Queensland region. Fair yeah, play to you, big shout out. Yeah, special time for the family for sure. And finally, just to wish for Wales and USA, USA Eagles squad this Saturday at Park Ye Scarlet in Swansea. I Probably didn't say that right. Parky Scarlett, that's fine. That's Tidy. <laughs> right, um, And to all those in the Super W in Australia and to everybody in Super Rugby, our picky. Indeed, so. And we should have mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, but Miss Cargan has been in touch and just wanted to give her a shout out to the Newbury Blues a few weeks back. Had their first ever all female officiating team, but they're all from, from, from the club, from Newbury. So Laura Lewis, Meg Mason, and Vicky Murdoch. What role models for all those girls at the club, and especially the under-15s girls, who they were officiating. So, yeah, sorry for the delay on that one, but big shout-out to Laura, Meg and Vicky. Thanks for getting in charge of Miss Cargan. That's about it for this week. I'm exhausted, Berth, frankly. <laughs> it's been a great pod. Lots going on, which is great, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, we only reflect what's going on out there. Thank you guys for, for listening. Rate, subscribe, you know what to do. Five stars, all the rest of it. Big thank you to Nandy, to Tom, to Bluebell, to you, Berth. And next week, 
We get some reaction from New Zealand as they kick off their first round of Super Rugby Cup Picky. And hopefully you and I will be back, Perth. <laughs> Let's hope so. More house renovation news. Who knows? See you next week. See ya. Until then.